words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Amen. Please be seated. Kathy has put a clip on the back of my stool, so there should be no issue with uneven stolage. That's pretty much. And I want to welcome back Nancy Clerk. Nancy is, she, she moved to Arizona, but she couldn't take it. So now she's back, right? All right. And you're back at top of the world. All right. Very good. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, <clears throat> Philip. Big idea is God evangelizes the world through obedient Christians who explain the gospel to seeking souls. God evangelizes the world through obedient Christians who explain the gospel to seeking souls. He uses you and me to get the word out, in other words. Um, there was an issue in, in Jerusalem. It says in uh, chapter 6, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, Hellenists, Greeks murmured against the Hebrews because their widows and were neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the body of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, where we may appoint them to this duty. Philip is one of the seven. He's a deacon, and he took over that position um, of, of serving and helping. Okay, that's, that's what his job. It wasn't teaching and preaching, but something happened along the way, and there was a persecution that broke out in Acts chapter 8, and they started to take off and go to different places. You know, Jesus says, Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Well, now Philip finds himself in Samaria. It says, and on that day a great per I'm sorry. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the multitudes with one accord gave heed to what was said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs which he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. He is in the middle of an amazing event, a revival, where demons are being cast out of people, uh, people are being healed of various ailments. It's an exciting time. The Holy Spirit is very powerful, active, and present. Um, it's kind of happening these days. Um, out in Modesto, California, the last week of April, they had a, about a four- or five-day event where the Holy Spirit fell in a very powerful way. I saw a little bit of a video clip of it. And a woman who had multiple sclerosis had come to the event in a wheelchair, and by the end of the event, she was up dancing. And a woman who came with a broken back in a wheelchair, she was up, and she was up on the stage, and she was touching her toes. And their, their daughters had brought them, and they were just totally in shock. But the spirit was moving in a very wonderful, powerful way, very much the same as it was with Philip. An angel shows up and tells him to go south on this road to Gaza. Leave this incredible, wonderful event of the Holy Spirit 
and go down to this desolate place in the middle of literally nowhere. And I'll, I'll tell you what to do after that. Philip is not like Jonah. Jonah gets that word from God. He says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah hops a ship to go to Tarshish. He just goes the other way. I want nothing to do with what you want me to do. He's more like Abraham. Abraham has his family. They're settled in, in Ur of the Chaldees and probably Iraq these days with all these herds and lands and people. And, he, and God just says, get up and go west. Go west, young man. And he says, aye, aye, sir. And off they go. So Philip is much more like Abraham in that sense. I've told you when I, was, when I was getting ready to leave Naval Postgraduate School in 1981, I'm sitting at a desk, and I hear God say, go to Florida. Like, you can hear my voice now, I hear his voice. Go to Florida, and we went to Florida, and the rest is history. Um, another time, I've, mentioned, I've told you this before, but I'm, I'm getting ready to be a, I'm a rising senior in seminary, and I'm in the choir because the seniors are graduating, the rising seniors of the choir, and we're standing there, we're singing a hymn, and all of a sudden, I feel somebody like push me down, and I'm on my knees wondering what happened. And I hear a voice say, not a voice voice like this, but in my head, Don, it's all true. It's all true. It's all true. The gospel is all true. And, and then the hands go away or whatever it was, and I spring to my feet like I'm spring-loaded. Okay? This is God acting in my life. And I'm not going through all the stories, but September on the beach, September 07 on the beach, uh, you may remember some of you that day when I came back to Grace and God gave me 20 things to say, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. And I told you, those of you who are here, and I had a, Kathy will tell you, I had a sermon in my head and I was walking the beach going through this sermon and he said, get rid of that. And I downloaded this thing and there it was and I wrote it all down. And I just, I got in the pulpit. It was really funny because I don't think I ever preached a sermon in 10 years. I never preached a sermon from the pulpit in Grace. I just used to walk around. But I got in the pulpit, and they were going, ooh, what's going on? And that was a five-minute thing, which was really unusual. And the next thing you know, we're marching out the door to Living Waters as Christ the King Anglican Church. And that was because God spoke, and we, we responded. The Acts of the Apostles should be should probably be see, say the Act of the Holy Spirit. Um, in this... God's target is the whole world, no exceptions. I thought this was interesting. Salvation in Christ for all, even eunuchs. <laughs> in Acts 8, the eunuch is the son of Ham because of where he's from. In Acts 9, Paul is the son of Shem. And in Acts 10, uh, the Roman centurion is the son of Japheth. The three divisions of humanity after the flood. All three divisions of humanity are represented in Acts uh, 8, 9, and 10. Nobody's left out. This is for the whole world. So Philip comes upon a man in a chariot. Uh, it's probably an ox cart. He's the secretary of the treasury uh, for Ethiopia. And it says the Candace. Her name isn't Candace. The Candace is like the pharaoh, the king, the leader, the head. It's a title. He is a very important person. He would not be out there in the middle of nowhere all by himself in an ox cart. He's in the ox cart, but he's got an entourage and probably a full military escort. It's a big deal. He's a big deal. 
Um, he's also black. He's African. It didn't matter to Philip that he was black. Didn't matter if he was black, brown, yellow, red, white. Just didn't matter. I think back to Martin Luther King, where he fought and fought and fought, where his children would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And these days, we seem to be reversing that. We're now going back to judging people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. And that is not a godly way to approach life or other people. So he sees this black guy in an ox cart. It doesn't matter to him because he's on a mission from God. And off he goes. He's reading Isaiah in Greek. He's reading the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament translated into Greek. And he's reading Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 talks about the life, ministry, and death of Jesus Christ. When you read Isaiah 53, you're reading about Jesus. They do not read Isaiah 53 in synagogues these days. They never read from it. In fact, I found out not too long ago that in some synagogues, it is removed from the, from the scriptures. They don't even have it in their scriptures so that they can't inadvertently read from it. This is what he's reading. He's turned from paganism, and he's now entered into an understanding of the God of Judaism. He goes to Jerusalem for the celebration, but he can't go all the way in. He can only go to the court of Gentiles because he's a eunuch. But he goes anyway, all the way from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem because he shifted from this pagan God that he was serving to this God of the Jews. He was probably a, a God-fearer, much like Cornelius in Acts 10, somebody who hasn't been circumcised and hasn't been any of that baptized, have the baptism, um, but, but believe in this God and want to know more about him. What he discovered really was Judaism back then was lifeless, formalistic, legalistic. And he was very troubled. He had a lot of questions, and he was confused. He was confused. Things weren't making sense. Can anybody relate? These days, things, are seem, things seem to be confusing on any host of issues. You can just think of what that would be. Philip arrives at the right time. It's a Holy Spirit moment. He's being directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is directing Philip. The Holy Spirit is directing the eunuch. Wish we knew his name. Call him Pete, maybe, or somebody. I don't know. But, well, probably not. Um, but they're both responding to the Holy Spirit. And I think of the 10-second rule. I think of the time years ago when I'm supposed to be going to Living Waters and I'm driving and, and the, the Spirit said, go to the school. I called Kathy and said, I've got to go to the school. She said, it's not even a school day. I said, I'm just doing what I'm told. And off I go, and as I take a right, a car goes by me, and the car turns into the school, and it's, it's Charlotte Rosansky. She was here this morning. Her dog had eaten a plant. She was hysterical. Uh, she pulled in because she saw me behind her. I wouldn't have been there if it was five seconds different, one way or the other. We would have missed each other. We got out of the cars and we prayed. It made all the difference in the world. Um, I'm, August 1st, 2018, I'm walking out of a restaurant. I hear the Lord say, go see Joe Johnson. Who? Joe Johnson, the new president of Advent Hospital. First day on the job, I said, okay. 
So I go back and forth with secretaries and whoever, and I wind up in Joe Johnson's office the first day on the job. I'm the first visitor he has in his new job in Ocala. We had a wonderful 30-minute visit, only because I said God said, go do that. We had a woman who was in an accident. I'm in the, in the ER with her, and in comes a cop. The cop does a wonderful job, and the Lord says, go tell Chief Graham. I, went, I usually say, what? And off I went and spoke with Chief Graham about that wonderful, wonderful police officer. Bob Prater, um, April 22nd, had a severe heart attack. He's home now. Had a severe heart attack. I walk into the ER, young man behind the desk. I tell him who I'm looking for. He says, I know, who, I know where you need to go. Follow me. I hope you got your track shoes on. And we went. Man, it was a long way, but it was the hard calf leg. He's got the pass. The doors are all opening. It's wonderful. And then he brought Bob's son to the same place. And I was there two days later, and I was walking down the hall, and I hear the Lord say, go tell the administration about Zach. Well, now I'm, finding, I'm having to ask people where the administrative offices in ORMC are because I've never been there. And I go down and I tell these two ladies that were there because the, the head guy wasn't there. And they were just so shocked that somebody had come by to give them such good news. I, I want to tell you about this wonderful young man that you have working on your staff. You know, a lot of that wasn't my idea to do that. Easter Sunday. I'm having Easter dinner at the house, and we're not finished. And I get this set, I've got to go see Jay Carmichael now. I normally don't leave before the dinner's over. And I said to Kathy, I said, I've got to go see Jay. And she goes, she said, go ahead. Not the normal response at that moment of the dinner, <laughs> just saying. And I got up, and had I not gone when I did, I would not have been able to give him last rites while he was still with us, and I would not have been there to see him say goodbye to his children if I had waited until I normally left. But the Spirit prompted me to get up and go and do that. Karen Murphy, um, last Wednesday, had a spill and broke her left ankle. Serious break. Friday... She was having surgery. I saw her Thursday, and then Kathy and I went over to the beach for a couple of days. And the Lord just prompted me to say, call Jennifer Stepp, because she was with Jen. Call Jennifer Stepp. So I called Jennifer Stepp, and who gets on the phone but Karen Murphy? Th 15 seconds before they're wheeling her into surgery. I, I wasn't planning on calling her, but call Jen Stepp. When I hear those things now, I just do it. I just do it. And now she's home, and uh, Peg is going to be here permanently. We're going to get you a cot. No problem. My point is the Spirit speaks, and do we listen, and do we respond to it? These things happen just to your ordinary, average, believing Christian if you're open to it. Philip goes boldly up to the chariot. Do you understand? And he says, how can I know unless someone helps me, guides me? How about Bible 101? An introduction to the Bible. That's uh, Kathy and 
Gigi, doing that on Sunday morning. Any number of Bible studies that we have here at Christ the King or in the community. Places where you can go and, and learn more about God's Word. Because sometimes it's, it can be hard to understand. That's why we need each other to help us do that. And he's humble. He's humble and he's willing to submit to the truth. He says, this doesn't sound like the Messiah. Is this Isaiah or somebody else? And Philip is simply obedient and explains the gospel, this gospel that we have had for 2,000 years. It hasn't changed. We're reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit because of what he did for us on the cross. Repent and receive Christ by faith and be restored to that relationship with God the Father. Okay? That's, that's the gospel. It's from the Bible. It's a biblical worldview. It hasn't changed in all these years. But it's going to become more and more difficult as we express that biblical worldview and understanding of life. The latest uh, example of this, uh, Franklin Graham and his organization uh, wanted to take, extended an invitation to the Seattle Police Department to take them and have, and, and have them have a wonderful dinner at a five-star hotel. And the police department refused the invitation because of Franklin Graham's biblical worldview. That's how they put it. We're not accepting your invitation because of your biblical worldview, which has a particular view of the LGBT community. Okay? So we're not going to have anything to do with you, you hateful bigot. Franklin Graham is not a hateful bigot at all. Um, but he's now being cast that way because this has a particular view of how we're supposed to live our lives. Not in a hateful, mean way, but in a truthful, godly way. So that's going to be coming at us, I think, more and more. In Acts 21, we find Philip 20 years later. He's in Caesarea. He's got four daughters. They're all evangelists. And the tradition has it that the eunuch went back and evangelized Ethiopia, and that all spread out through Africa. And I think of Vitalis. Vitalis uh, is our bishop in, in Tanzania in the Diocese of Baharamulo. For those of you who are visiting, you're going, what? Yes, we have our bishop is in Africa. And, um, gee, with McCarthy and I were there in June three years ago when that diocese got born. And he started with something like 50 churches or 80 churches. Now he's got like 150, just going crazy. And May 18th, they're consecrating the cathedral in Baharamulo, Christ the King Cathedral. Yay! And you help make that happen, by the way. You help make that happen. What a blessing. We never know where God's call or circumstances will lead and what the result of our obedience will be. Um, so Bob Prater has a heart attack. And Zach got me to the right room. So I go there, and it's serious. It was really, really bad. And the doctor came in and said, I, I didn't know that if he was going to make it from the ED to the heart cath lab. It's really, really serious still. He got called away because he had to redo what he did, and he came back. We finally got to see him, and he was all hooked up to this heart machine and da-da-da-da-da, the whole thing. 
I went back the next day, and he was a little better. It seemed to be a little better. I didn't give him last rites. I didn't sense that. And then I, I went back, and he was sitting in a chair, unhooked. It was a miracle, literally a miracle of healing. Now, something happened to him that he will share with you when the time is right. I can't say what it is. But I'm sitting there, and the nurse comes in, and he is telling her what happened to him during that time. And her eyes got big. And he's like evangelizing. And then she says to me, um, what church, what is your church? So I told her. And then Bob looked at the nurse and said, what's your church? And she went like this. She doesn't have one. Bob has kind of took that on as a project, I think, to talk to this young lady about the faith. This is Vietnam gunboat Bob Prater. This is motorcycle cop in Miami Bob Prater. He's a different person because of what happened to him recently. He's not the same. I wonder what's going to happen because of Karen Murphy's broken ankle. I mean it. Nothing happens in the life of a believer apart from the will of God, and I wonder what God is going to do with this broken ankle. I can't wait to see, you know. Might finally give her a good attitude. What? Karen, you know I love you, and I'm just kidding, right? She's watching. Yeah, if you're visiting, that's pretty normal. Um, I, you know, my broken leg led to me becoming a priest. I, I thought it was the worst thing. Liam, <coughs> our son, had an accident. Now, and I, I say, well, why did this happen? Because you met, or now you have these two beautiful little girls. But I'm going to tell you, he is a spiritual ambassador at Advent Hospital. You will never in your life find anybody with a heart for the lost more than Liam. I mean it. I mean it. He just cries over people that don't know Jesus that he works with. And he told me one time, he said, you know, if it hadn't been for that accident, I'd be a 40-something-year-old frat boy looking for the next party in Tampa. But it's a whole different world because of what happened to him. Um, Jessica Armstrong, Lawson's mom, right? The baby we pray for, have been praying for forever. She's been up in Boston Children's Hospital for four months. And she put this out the other day. They're getting ready to come home. And I'm hoping that next Sunday we will not be praying for Lawson Armstrong because she's in the hospital. She wrote this. She said, with the past week or so relatively low-key, I've started to um, process and digest all God has used Lawson to teach me over the past eight months. Little girl is eight months old. Before her, I knew nothing about the hematology and transplant world, and while we aren't being uh, seen by oncology, I've learned more about that as well, excuse me, through the sweet neighboring kiddos that live in the same hall as us. God has used this to show me more compassion for others and an immense amount of gratitude towards nurses and doctors. You don't go into the pediatric hematology medical profession and not have the absolute most giving and selfless heart God has also used this season to really show me how patience and persistence go hand in hand. Things haven't always been perfect in the hospital, 
world, but the doctors, nurses, and staff are always there to make it right. God has also used my time in Boston to show me multiple cultures and diversity that I'm not used to seeing to really understand why I love Jesus on a personal level while also learning how he loves others and living side by side with people who think differently than I do. It has really been a breath of fresh air for me. I really like Boston, and while I wouldn't permanently live here because I am a Florida girl through and through, I really do consider this a second home for me. Discharge is coming in the next few days. Thank you, God, for my time and growth here at Boston's Children. I, the challenge of that little baby that needed a bone marrow transplant, that it's just unbelievable what they've been through. The challenges day after day after day. And this is how she's looking at life now. Because she went through that trial and that test, and God used it to transform and change her heart and her outlook on life. And that's what can happen no matter what life throws at you, especially when you don't expect it. You didn't see it coming. Ask, all right, Lord, what are you up to? How can this be used to further your kingdom and change me? That's, that's the question we need to be how can How can this make me a better witness for you? As I share my story, my struggle, my trials, my challenges with other people that are going through circumstances they never expected. And I have something to tell them value because he formed and shaped me through the fire. I believe that we're all here today by divine appointment. This is not an accident that we're here in this place today. Maybe we need to hear about how God directs our steps. Maybe we need to hear about how God loves God loves the lost. The question is, are we willing and available? Those are the two things that God looks for in anybody. Any, any Are you willing and are you available? Does, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips those whom he calls. I really believe that. Am I willing and I'm, am I available to make myself available for the kingdom of God, whatever way that looks like? The question is, how can God use me today. Me, a nobody. Let's listen. You've seen this before, but it fits.
God evangelizes the world through obedient Christians who explain the gospel to seeking souls, even you and me. Amen.